Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name is Jim. Even though this episode is being released March 3rd, I'm recording it on February 9th. I've spoken about this before. I like to have four or five of them in the bank just in case something comes up. That happened to me a couple years ago. We had a family emergency and I really couldn't get back to recording for about three weeks. So I had five of them in the bank then. That worked out real good for me. So I strive to keep up with that. I want to release one every Wednesday morning no matter what. Since I don't do current events, I am not held in podcast prison where I have to do it on a certain day. I just have to release it on a certain day. So looking outside right now, it's about five above zero, cold and snowy. We've had a very mild winter until just lately. I've always said since I moved to this country that zero here is like 40 below up in the mountains in Colorado where I was born and raised. Well, if it gets to be 15 below like they're predicting in a few days, that'll be definitely like 50 below back home. And I'm here to tell you, when it's 50 below, nothing moves. Nothing moves. It's an amazing thing. Your car won't start. If you do get it started, the tires are frozen flat on the ground. Can't walk anywhere without face protection. But that never kept the schools from opening or any of that stuff. We always went to school. I don't care how cold it was or how much snow we got. Anyway, enough with winter. Since it's March 3rd, I'm sure we're all starting to get a little taste of spring fever. Spring's on the way in a couple weeks. And that reminds me of something that happens here every year once it starts getting warmer and the grass starts growing and the leaves on the trees come out. you got to watch yourself for a tick. When I was a kid, after playing outside, out in the woods, up in the mountains, down in the park, in the backyard, in the mud and the dirt and the gravel and all that stuff, when I was little, when I came in, Mom had checked me and my brothers for ticks. Raise your arm. Turn around. Mom, I'm embarrassed. Don't want to get a tick bite, do you? Don't want to get that spotted fever, do you? No, Mom. No. Do I have any ticks? Let me check your hair. All that stuff. Sometimes you come in from playing in the sagebrush. Now, if you don't know what sagebrush is... It's a brush that really smells and and has the appearance of that spice sage. smells just like sage. And sometimes you walk through it, it can get quite tall. You're a kid, it may be almost as tall as you walking through it. One time I remember Wayne and me went up to Table Mountain. That's a mountain with a top half cut off and a big flat mesa. More of a hill than a mountain. But they're quite large, and the area up top is very large. Going up that hill to Table Mountain and coming back down, it's all sagebrush. I remember we got back to town somehow. Imagine we had a ride because it was a few miles outside town. And playing on the playground that afternoon, we started counting how many ticks we were taking off ourselves. I believe I had nine on me that day. My mom would have had a fit, so I tried to get them off. Of course, mom always find a tick on you that you didn't even know you had. Didn't want to get that spotted fever. That's a fact. A tick is a little eight-legged creature that lives in tall grasses, up in trees, especially in sagebrush. That must be the condominiums for ticks. 
and they'll get off on you or on your dog or on a deer whatever and start sucking blood and they get larger and larger and larger they carry many many different diseases two of which most people are very familiar with is Rocky Mountain spotted fever and Lyme's disease both of which can be very detrimental to a human being so you don't want to get that stuff and the best way not to get it is don't get bit by a tick but if that happens that doesn't mean you're gonna fall ill and die you probably won't even get anything but you don't want to chance it so you do want to take precautions like spraying some kind of insect repellent on yourself if you're going to be out there or at least checking yourself when you're all done don't go to sleep with tick in your hair you'll wake up in the morning with a tick hanging in your back digging in sucking your blood after our children were raised, we raised them in a small town outside of Kansas City. It was a bedroom community that has since really become a suburb of the city. But back then, it was just a little small town that was pretty close to the outside suburbs. It was a good place to raise the kids, but my wife wanted to live out in the country. She always dreamed of that and wanted that. A lot more than me because I had done something like that all my life, lived in very small towns or we had the ranch house out in the country and, and things like that. And so it wasn't that high a priority to me. Well, so all the time my wife would be out driving the back roads, looking, looking, looking. Every once in a while she'd find something she liked and I'd go with her and look at it. I'd always point out all the downfalls of the places, you know. Now, do we have to take the, that old pickup truck that's on the blocks in the front yard? Do we have to haul that off, or do the people that are selling it, will they take that off? Maybe not that bad, but you see that, you know what I mean? Anyway, one time she took me to this place. She said, I think I'm just going to give up. If you don't like this place, well, then we'll just be happy and fix our house up in town a little and be happy where we are. Well, we started coming down this hill into this valley, and the whole place opened up before us. Over on the right were a bunch of cattle on the side of the hill. Down at the foot of the hill was a little white schoolhouse that they'd used years before, but they had maintained it and kept it in proper condition. Drove by a couple farmers' fields. There's only one house in the last mile, and then we turned into this place. My wife said, here we are. Let's get out and look at it. Well, we walked back to the south about a quarter of a mile, and there was a pickup truck sitting there and this older gentleman. And he introduced himself, said he's the guy that owned it. We didn't go out there with a realtor or anything. He gave us the grand tour, called it the prettiest little 25 acres in the state of Kansas. I looking around, I tended to agree with him. Kind of hilly all around you, ponds everywhere, peaceful and quiet. Your neighbors weren't very close at all. And so we put an offer on the place, and we ended up buying it. Well, as soon as I closed on the deal, I started to have buyer's remorse. I'm kind of wired that way. I want something, and if it's a big-ticket item, I wonder why I went through with the purchase afterwards. Well, this was a very big ticket item, and I started hemming and hawing, saying, I don't think we should have bought that place. I don't know what I was thinking. What are we going to do? We'd been out there a few times between the time that we first looked at it and the day we closed, and I got some ticks on me and started to see that, you know, the country's pretty wild in northeast Kansas, 
It's beautiful, but still very rugged terrain and just starting to wonder what I had done. We had to go about 20 miles from the town that we raised our daughters in just so we could afford the land because land around our town had gotten so expensive because the city was approaching it. Well, that night, it was Memorial Day weekend. I remember that. We signed the papers on a Friday right before the weekend started, and I was lamenting my purchase, sitting there feeling sorry for myself, and my wife all of a sudden says, come on, let's go. Where we're going? It's 10 o'clock at night. Come on, we're going out to the property. I don't want to go to the property. We're going to the property. Come on, we'll take the truck. So we threw a couple lawn chairs in the back of the truck and we drove the half hour to our newly purchased property. We pulled in. She said, drive out into that hay meadow. We went out there and stopped the truck. She said, let's get in the back, sit on those lawn chairs in the back of the truck and just look at what we purchased. It's dark outside, darling. It's okay, let's do it. So I did as I was instructed. We sitting there. My eyes adjusted to the dark. I realized there are fireflies everywhere. Now, a firefly or a lightning bug, whatever you want to call them, we get those in the summertime, and they're pretty, and they're neat, and you see them flying around. Well, this night was like no other. It must have been at the height of their mating season. I don't know. But all of a sudden, the sky was more than a laser light show at Epcot Center. Those little suckers were all over the place. It was truly a psychedelic moment. And we sat there in awe as little lightning bugs lit the sky up and entertained us for over an hour. And I fell in love with my property. And I wanted to build my home here and live here for the rest of my life. It was the best thing we could have ever done. That buyer's remorse all of a sudden was in my rearview mirror never to be visited ever again. Within a year and a half, our home was done, and we were living here, and I was happy. But there were still ticks. There were ticks everywhere. I started trying to combat them. I'd put sulfur on my skin and my pants and my boots before I went out there. My dogs would get these things look like grapes on them, and I'd pick them off, and they were big old full ticks just sucking their blood out. So I actually became a student on how I could control the situation. I tried put insecticide down, but you realize you can't do that on a large area of property. You just can't do that on a large area of property. I'd been in the poorhouse trying to buy all that insecticide. And the very best thing for all this was I put liquid repellent on my dogs, like a front line or something like that, pet armor, that stuff. Put on them once a month, right on their shoulder blades, get it down on their skin, it absorbs into their bodies. And I guess the way that works is a tick will bite the dog. So bite them, but it'll kill the tick. And the tick doesn't burrow in and suck their blood. Started mowing more and more. And I found that the short grass the ticks won't hang out in. Today, I do not know the last time I had a tick. It was maybe three or four years ago, maybe five. And I'm out there working all the time in the summertime. So by us keeping our grass short and the dogs stick free, it's an amazing thing. If I could just figure out how to do that with chiggers, it'd be better. If you don't know what a chigger is, you can't even see them. And they live in any kind of grass. 
and there's times of the year that they'll get on you and they bite you and they you don't even know you're bit but you start itching and they are itchy little creatures another thing that's hard around here is fleas but with the flea and tick stuff i put on the animals it keeps the fleas down now years ago when we first built the house we got a couple kittens that had kittens well when those mama cats were pregnant you couldn't put the flea stuff on them and then when the babies were born you couldn't put the flea stuff on them and we were infested with fleas it was awful well as soon as those kittens became weaned you could dunk them down in a bucket full of that stuff and all of a sudden the fleas just went away Mankind's always going to have some kind of a creature that he's battling in life. But if you live anywhere where there's any kind of animals, or even if you live in a $10 million mansion, you're still going to have a spider. Some of the enemies I have out here, besides the ticks and the fleas, are moles. I had a dog once kept the mole population down, but a dog like that comes around very seldom. Muskrats that love to tear my dam apart on my pond. Mice who can get into anywhere, anytime they want. Always a constant battle with mice. Bunnies will eat my wife's flowers and garden. Deer who if they are not in check, and the only way I keep deer in check is by having dogs. By having dogs around, the deer do not come as close to the house. If I didn't have any dogs, they'd be eating my wife's bushes. And the biggest enemy I have out here, and I'm not exactly sure how I'll ever defeat this enemy, is poison ivy. Now where you mow it all the time, it goes away. But if you get in a grove of trees or something where you can't really get into underbrush or anything, any place that can't be mowed on a regular basis, it likes to grow. And I know it likes to grow about anywhere because I got into poison ivy one time when I was a little boy up there north central colorado about nine thousand feet above sea level and i had a measurable night that night but i do get into it around here once in a while that's why you always see these old farmers with long sleeve shirts on 100 degrees and they're wearing a long sleeve shirt i've never resorted to that but i understand why they do it now something you probably think that i should say is my enemy that isn't is the coyote I've never had a problem with coyote, not once, not ever. And they're around, I see them. I like to wake up early in the morning, sometimes want to walk across my front yard right in front of my office window, not even know I'm there. But I don't have chickens. I'm sure if I had chickens, I wouldn't have such a truce with the coyotes. My neighbor up the road always has war on raccoons, but raccoons don't bother me at all. Sometimes when I come home late at night, you'll see six or eight of them on the fence line poking over into the farmer's cornfield. I've had a bald eagle around here just lately. Lived here for 20 years before I ever saw anything like that here. But the other day I was looking out my window and I saw this big white looking thing over on my dam. So I got out my binoculars and looked because that's a far piece away over on the end of the dam. And it was a bald eagle sitting there and all of a sudden he kind of jumped and hopped flew up in the air just a short ways and dove down onto the pond and sat there in the water for a second, acted like he was trying to fly and couldn't get up. And what is going on here? But then he got himself up and he had this monster fish in his talons, made it back to the dam, started to eat my fish. And the amazing thing about it is there's about 10 crows all the way around him, kind of circled him, 
waiting for them to be done with the fish, I suppose, so they could scavenge on the bones and what was left of the fish. It was an amazing sight and well worth the price of admission that I paid 22 years ago on the Friday before Memorial Day. And that night, going out and seeing the fireflies was previews of coming attractions. I've been very blessed. That's a fact. If you like our podcast, all I ask is that you share it. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived there, you can find links to places we have our podcast, our Facebook page, plus a bevy of pictures of that country I speak about so often. Never forget to be kind. doesn't matter if sometimes you have to remind yourself. You'll be glad you were. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.